Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I still have the ADD mind. I don't think that is going anywhere. It is going to stick with me now until I'm a 90-year-old man. But today, I have a guest who also apparently has ADHD, but this is not part of my ADHD series on adulting with ADHD. I have a special guest today who is the host of his very own podcast. I have Richard Kaufman, who I may end up calling Rick. I don't know at this moment. He said I could call him either. I might change it up just to throw him off. And he is the host of the Vertical Momentum Resiliency Podcast which I like because that means I like the resiliency part of that title, which is probably the part that gets forgotten or left off the most, but I feel that's the most important part. So, Richard, how are you doing? I'm so grateful and humbled to be here. Um, I'm so, um, like I said, I'm very happy to be be able to hang out with such a great host like you. I love your show. I think it's, it's one of my top four podcasts that I listen to every chance that I get. So I'm just grateful to be here. Right. I appreciate that. That means a lot. So let's just sort of dive into it. I know that um, you've had your podcast for quite a number of years. So how many years have you had it? What caused you to start it? Well, first of all, (laughs) um, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, the guy that got me started with my podcasting career was a, a guy we might have heard of named Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, but I actually had a podcast because I was only doing it for for shits and giggles. I was actually um, just ta- I was with GNC for 30 years. So I, I was actually just trying out different products and reviewing them. And then when I, I lost 80 percent of my vision, um, I decided to go full time in podcasting because I was using Anchor. So I didn't need any video and it was so easy to use. Any even anybody like a red a low tech redneck like me. <laughs> can use it but uh what i didn't know is that after 235 episodes my show wasn't even on um itunes i didn't even know it um so i I tried to get it put on there and they're like uh no after 230 episodes you don't have a shot in hell so i started my new podcast called vertical momentum it's been about now i think we're on year three i think I think we up to, I think total, I think I have something like 600 interviews. Um, That's impressive. We're, we're in the top 0.5% of global podcasts in the world, but it's all because, you know, it's all about helping people. It's all about paying it forward. Every guest I have either works with is either a veteran, first responder, or they're a mindset expert that they can help that veteran or first responder get out of the hell the hole that they're in and uh, start businesses. So that's how my podcast journey start. But it all started with a lunch with Gary V, which I should have never had if you want to go into that story. <laughs> I, I understand. I started mine because I think my kids were tired of listening to me wax poetic about the world. And they were like, you should start a podcast, dad. And I was like, hmm, that would be fun. And you know what? I don't, bother them as much with my thoughts anymore strange their plan worked out (laughs) yeah so what happened was i got hurt on duty in the military i lost my vision i lost 80 percent of my vision um so but when there's getting ready to discharge you they put you in into a a little room for a while and you have until they find out what they want to do with you Mm -hmm. so i still have vision in one eye so uh, what a lot of people were doing when they were getting med boarded out, they were playing cards, they were playing checkers. You know, the first week I was bored. So I picked up a book by Mr. Robert Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've, okay. had, them both on, I've had them both on the show. Um, but then I started reading books on self-development and this gentleman's name, Gary Vaynerchuk, kept coming up, coming up, coming up. And I found out that he his father's liquor stores. 20 minutes from my house. Nice. <laughs> so I call I called his father up one day. I'm like, this is Rich from GNC. I need to get a meeting with Gary for business. He's like, all right, he'll be here Wednesday. 
So I showed up Wednesday just to shoot the shit with Gary Vaynerchuk. And we actually had lunch and I actually got to sit down and tell him my story. And actually, my wounded warrior hat is actually hanging up in his office. You'll sometimes see it on there. And that's he's the one that actually got his, the idea of starting about about uh, podcasting and and getting my story out there. That's how how long were you in the your army, correct? Yep. Twenty three huh. years army and army national guard time. OK, that was uh, approximately 18 years longer than my military career. Well, but I, I'm I got, the son of a vet. I got four, I, since I got into so much trouble, I got like six Article 15s. So I think I got 40 years out of 23. <laughs> That's an impressive amount of, or as yeah. my old first sergeant used to call them, A15s. <laughs> yep. Uh, four regulars and two field grade Article 15s in the regular army. Wow. That's oddly impressive. <laughs> and And I'm probably one of the only guys you'll ever meet that gets thrown out for being a drug addict and gets, I actually get back in the military again. Yeah. That, that also sounds like a very interesting story that, that we will need to uh, uh, get to. So are you also the son of uh, someone that served in the military as well? Uh, my, my, my real father uh, served in the air force for a little bit. And then my stepfather, uh, he served in the Italian military. Oh, so we've that's... actually, my whole family, like we actually have somebody that's whose name is actually on the Korean Memorial Wall. He got killed in Korea. So everybody oh. from my generation all the way to um, my great grandfather, they all served in the military in some some form or fashion. Yeah, I, I come from a family, both sides, mom, dad, full of people that served in the military. And um, something that makes me unique, I'm 50. My mom's dad, which normally, you know, as a Gen X, our grandparents served in World War II. My mom's dad is a World War I veteran. Wow, he had to be like really young. He had to be like 16 or 17 when he got in. No, no, he was 14. Wow. <laughs> and they did not care back then. <laughs> you know, he was like, I'm 18. They're like, sure, yeah, you look. He did wow. not look 18. <laughs> I, I can't even get my 14-year-old to clean his room, never mind. Never mind to join the military. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And uh and then my son also, he served in the Air Force. Um, he was in the, uh, he did space. He was a GPS satellite operator. Nice. Which he has made a great civilian job. I was going to say, that's something great. Like for me, I was just a tank commander and I was a, a grunt. So there wasn't many jobs out there for tank commanders when I got out. So my transitioning was a lot harder than I guess his was. So as a tank commander, where were you stationed at? Just out of curiosity. Pretty much all over the states, um, Germany, but pretty much stateside. I didn't I didn't really uh get to go anywhere. Okay. I was first cavalry division at Fort Hood. So yeah, I me was, too. Uh, I spent all I spent so much money at, at, at the bars in Fort Hood. Um uh, I was the second armor division and I used to <laughs> out and clean and get drunk and broke every every Friday, Saturday night. I now I gotta ask. Uh, when you were stationed there, because I was there from 94 to 97. 86 to 88. All right. It was probably the same crap hole when you were there, because it didn't get any nicer when I was there. A bar called City Lights and City Limits, and I hang out at Animal House. <laughs> oh, well, I wasn't expecting a Fort Hood talk. When I got married, I immediately, two weeks later, moved to Fort Hood, or we moved to Fort Hood. A week later, I went to the field and I neglected to inform my wife, who was 19, that at night tanks fire. And that uh, freaked out my young 19-year-old bride, who did not know that that was going to happen. <laughs> um, my fault. <laughs> um, so I, now that I've side-quested myself again, but it was an excellent side-quest because I will talk to somebody about their military career all day long. As, like I say, it's just been always a part of my life. So how did you go from getting kicked out for drugs to being able to get back in? Because that is a pretty, uh, if you want to share the story, that is a pretty not normal thing. Well, I got, I got thrown out of the military for being a drug addict and alcoholic. And then my I, I almost got arrested for robbing a police officer. That's a whole nother story. So I was looking at five years for grand larceny. And the cop gave me a break and I went to AA and I haven't had a drink since 1989. Uh, but 
he gave me a break and I had to give him all his money back. And my uncle helped me out. And he was a uh, he was actually the boxing champion of the Korean War back then. So he was a badass. And as he's bailing me out of jail, he said, you know what? I knew you could you never had what it takes to become a mil- to be a military man. And it just after that day, it just ate at me and ate at me and ate at me for for I think for about about two years till I started saying, wait a minute, you know, maybe I should get back in. Maybe I can be that that military man. So I actually had to get letters from a congressman to get me in. I actually had to get letters from uh, the local police department, the, my job. It, it, and then I had to go for waivers and all that kind of crap. So they finally got me in in the National Guard. So that was my way back in. I joined the Pennsylvania National Guard in like 19. I got thrown out in 88 and I went back in about 90. Okay. All right. I remember that uh, 1990 well. So did you end up going to uh, that little teeny tiny action over in Iraq and Kuwait called Desert Storm? Nope, we were actually part of uh, a Desert Shield, so we didn't get it. We didn't uh, do much over there. Um, and then, and then we'll talk about. It, I'm sure in a little bit. I almost got thrown out for the second time for getting more Article 15s and for just for being an asshole. I wasn't drinking and I wasn't drunking. I was just an asshole. And they were due to throw me out uh, September 30th of 2001. But because of what happened in the morning of September 11th, my whole life and my whole world and my whole career changed on that Tuesday morning. Yeah, I I can see where that would have an effect. So did you end up going over to Iraq or Af- Afghanistan? When no, you were in? I did. Um, because, I mean, I got now I got back, like I said, September 11th. Now, where we're talking from, I mean, where I'm talking, my home office. If I stand on my front porch, I'm overlooking where the Twin Towers once stood. Oh, wow. And we knew people that were in the buildings at that mm-hmm. time. Now, if you don't mind me getting in my story real quick about that. No, no, go ahead. That's why you're here. It has a lot to do with I, why I'm doing what I'm doing now. As you guys know, in the military, we have TA-50, which is that means all of our shit. <laughs> and um, <laughs> back on, on that Tuesday morning, I'm watching the TV, watching this all unfurl. And right next to the TV is all my shit that I got to turn in because I'm being thrown out for mm-hmm. a second. Now, as I'm watching this, we're watching it live. We weren't watching it. No editing. And you can actually hear the bodies hitting the floor. And you can actually mm-hmm. see them pulling bodies out of the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. And here I am. It bro- I literally broke down and cried into the couch because I realized I'm taking my life for granted. I'm taking my career for granted. All these soldiers wanted to do is go to work and they're not coming home. Mm-hmm. And literally I broke down into my couch and I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, give me another chance to help people that can't help themselves. And, and then I went, we had drill the following weekend. Now I got busted. So I'm, I got busted from E4 to E1 again. So thank God we had those patches that rip off. So I didn't, <laughs> have, to, didn't have to worry about getting pinned or anything. Um, and I talked to my, 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 uh, my commander and my first sergeant and i begged him for another chance now as an addict you know we know how to bullshit people we know how to um take advantage of people but they said you know what we've seen something different in you and and i changed that that morning i changed so when i got to drill that saturday i got the drill two hours early i started following e6s e7s e8s captains colonels i stayed two hours late i volunteered for everything after that and I became a non-commissioned officer within two years. I became soldier of the year after two years. So that's when my career really started to take off because I realized I'm not doing what I can be doing. And that's when I really, my goal was to become the ultimate soldier until I got hurt in 2012. So that's, that is really impressive to have really, I mean, to have such a drastic change, I, I knew people that, you know, when I was in, uh, there was a dude that came in an E4 and left an E1 demotable. <laughs> and it that is really impressive. And it just shows that when somebody decides, hey, I'm not doing this anymore, that you can turn things around and completely change everything. And to, you know, end up making a 
making it as an NCO and everything because you were automatically, you know, behind the ball, the power curve of <laughs> them wanting to promote you again because of what has happened. So that is very, very impressive and, and definitely me, when momentum. I, when I got when I read the NCO creed, I lived the NCO creed. For me, my guys came first. You know, whatever my my job was to take care of my guys. And they knew that I love them and I take care of them. I actually almost went to jail in Germany because of trying to take care of one of my guys. I actually knocked out a captain because he was eating before his troop. Oh wow. Yeah. And I almost <laughs> And I almost got, you know, I almost got another Article 15. But m- thank God, my my first sergeant was an old Vietnam vet, and he's like, "You sergeant, you were in the right. Your guys are come first. Captains and lieutenants, they can eat last. All they got to do is go read some maps." Yeah, so yeah. I kind of got, I kind of got lucky with that one, you know. Yeah, yeah. You can always tell the NCOs that genuinely care about troops, and the NCOs that are just trying to advance their career. There's a, a a pretty big difference in the type of uh, NCOs when they have that attitude. Um, I've had both. <laughs> and- well, because I, I was taught by um, an old gentleman named older gentleman. He's not gone. He's gone now. But Mister Zig Ziglar, you know, he always says that you know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. And I, if I, if I, if I took care of my guys, if we're ever in a battle. I know they're coming to save my ass because I care right. about I care about their families. You know, I became emotionally involved with my troops. So, you know, I believe in that and I still believe in it, even though I'm not an NCO anymore. I still believe in the whole re- relationships thing. And that's how my that's how I become so successful is by believing and building relationships. That is that is fantastic. And I'm glad to hear that because it's something that I think um, we should all be reminded of, and uh, especially myself, um, I've discovered during my series on ADHD that we have a problem with, uh, like object permanence, I guess is what it is. So when you're friends with somebody in our mind and time dilution, if I don't talk to you for six months, it's not because I'm mad at you because I just sort of forgot. <laughs> I didn't mean to not do that. And I know that I have to continually work at maintaining the relationship. So when you're talking about, you know, it's about relationships, you're just reminding me, I need to work harder at maintaining, you know, the relationships that that I have and not just go to work and come home because house is where all my favorite things are. <laughs> so um, I appreciate that. Um, so on your podcast, though, you have had so many great guests on that have such a wide sort of aspect of what they've done and their life stories and everything. And how have you gone about, because I know you've had authors, just all sorts of stuff. How do you go about um, finding the people that are your guests? Do they reach out to you? Do you reach out to them? Combination of both. You read Uh, someone's um, book. You're like, I'm going to email them. Well, I'm huge on LinkedIn. I think I have something like almost 30,000 connections on LinkedIn, but I'm all, I'm always looking. I'm always looking to see, all right, who's got a new, you know, who's got, you know, if somebody's got a good speaking gig coming up, I'm always looking and say, you know, how can I help them promote their book? You know, how can I help them um, promote their speaking gig coming up? I mean, that's how I got Robert Kiyosaki, Sharon Lecter, David Meltzer, Tony Watley. Um, I've got the, the drummer for Def Leppard coming on at the end of the month. Okay. I'm always looking, hey, hang I'm on. Did you say Def Leppard, the drummer? Rick's is it yeah. Rick? Rick Allen, yeah. Hang on. I'm having a moment. Okay, I'm over it. Love Def Leppard. Love Def Leppard. Had an opportunity to see him for free in ninth grade because my friend, him and his brother were going. His older brother broke his leg or something. I don't remember. Couldn't go. He's going to give me the ticket. And you know what my mom did? Wouldn't let me go. She wouldn't let me go. Damn and it. I, I've been slightly irritated by that every year. And it doesn't matter that when I was 46, she apologized. <laughs> no, okay. but now the way I'm, I, I'm able to have him on the show is because the relationships I built with other people. And because I know that Rick does a lot of stuff for the veterans in the veteran community, he, ha- he actually holds drum circles for veterans to help with PTSD. So every, every, 
uh, everybody that I have on the show is in one way or another connected to the VA, I mean, connected to the veterans, or they've dealt with depression themselves, or they started businesses. Because I find that if a veteran or a first responder, both of, both of them, we run the same circles, we run the same, same way. If they have a mission, because when we get out of the military, we know the military doesn't give a shit about you. We know that right. you don't have the camaraderie. You don't have you don't have a job. So a lot of us, when we get out, all we have is our our memories, and then we're sitting at a you know having a bottle of whiskey with a pistol in our mouth. Mm-hmm. So what I I find now is if a veteran or a first responder starts a five hundred one three C, starts a company, starts a podcast, starts a mission, and it's something bigger than themselves they're less likely to kill themselves. So that's why I, that's how I got into the whole entrepreneurial space. Cause I'm like, if a veteran starts a company, he has something to work for, something to live for again. So that's why you'll see a lot of my podcasts are millionaires, billionaires, authors, athletes, you've named them. I've had them on the show and, and I'm just getting started. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know if I'd ever put the correlation of, if you start a 501c that, you know, it would help with not uh, committing suicide, but that makes 100% because you're fighting again. You have a mission for something that you love and care about. Yep. So and, that's why, that's why like, like a gentleman I just had on, um, Kellen Flukinger, he actually, uh, eight time, eight time selling author. And we talked about how to change your mindset because a lot of us struggle with mindset. A lot of us struggle with focus, especially ADD, but a lot of people, they don't even know the word, focus means for us in in entrepreneurial space it means follow one course until successful right and a lot but a lot of people you know you start to see a little success you get the shiny object syndrome and then you start then you'll then you're gonna lose everything because you're not focused on your one main goal yeah yeah i always told my kids that you can get to wherever it is you want to go in life but you have to accept that the road that you take is not like the yellow brick road in the Wizard of Oz. It's frequently a river of shit that you're knee deep in. And you you go through that more than almost, you know, you have a nice smooth path. And if you can get through the shitty parts and you stay focused on your end goal, you're going to make it. Maybe slow going, but you're going to make it. And well, you like just even have my, to stay focused. My friend Russell Brunson, uh, you know, he actually talked about how he when we were when me and him talked, he said, you know what? He said, you can you can do something other than podcasting after you make your first million dollars. <laughs> Not until. <laughs> said, but don't get shiny object syndrome. Just focus and niche down and make sure you're doing the best job that you can do and focus on one thing. Become great. Kobe wasn't great at everything else while he was playing. Tom Brady was focused on football, you know, so focus on one thing and become great at that one thing. That's that's also really good advice. And I appreciate that as well, because um, I still kind of view myself as a like a beginning podcaster, getting into it, even though I have, uh, I'm on two podcasts that I do, but I'm learning from somebody that I feel is pretty successful at doing this and then having, you know, you on as a guest. Uh, I'm, it just means a lot, <laughs> you know, help, help keep me focused because of that. Well, like, like one of my mentors is John Lee Dumas. And we know he gets a million downloads a month. So he is my mentor. So I have to try to live up to that standard. So he <laughs> in check to make sure that I'm doing the right things, that I'm, you know, I'm doing the, you know, learning, learning the ropes. Because I, I think I'm still a newbie. I'm still a rookie at this. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to do everything I can to become the best at everything, including using chat GPT to get to, to get my, my podcast up there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's all everything is is good advice uh, that you have given so far. So, um if you don't mind my asking, do you have like was it just because you enjoyed going out and having a drink and that's sort of what led to uh, the alcoholism and stuff like that or was it just did you have some stuff in your past that you were trying to overcome and self-medicating if that's something you feel like sharing no, it's, it, i mean because I, I already have, it's already out in my in my number my two-time number one best-selling book it's already out there all my dirty shit is out there so i don't i don't have anything to, to lose um yeah my mother was an addict my dad left when i was six months old so 
You know, I had my first drink at 12 and I was a full-blown alcoholic by the age of 13. The only reason I drank, and I can remember, I remember the day I had my first drink. It was New Year's Eve and I had my first drink and my face got red and and I found out I was bubbly. I, I was an outgoing personality. My, my personality was different. So I actually became a guy named Rick at this time. That, as, and Gary always breaks my chops because he always talks about that guy, Rick. So I was <laughs> that guy, Rick. But it, it, I drank because it gave me the courage. It gave me a personality where I can get out of myself. I could be somebody else. I don't have to deal with all the pain. And unfortunately, and I tell all this time, Somebody asked me the other day, you know, what did you want to be when you were when you were an adult, when you were you know a kid? And I said, I never expected to live past the age of 21. So I from age 12 to below, everything is repressed. I don't remember anything from my 12. So before, you know, that was the reason why I drank. And then just to become that other person. That's why I, I, be, I kept drinking because I wanted to be that other person to, to keep hiding that because I had severe ADHD. And, you know, back then. And of course, back in this is back in the eighties. You know, they called you stupid. You know, I had a little bit of uh, dyslexia, so you know they say you can't read. You know, you're you're dumb. You'll never go anywhere. And this is the teachers. They say you're going to be losers. So I kind of took that all in, and I'm be like, well, if I'm going to be the black sheep of the family, I'm going total black sheep. And that's how, uh, like I said, um, I quit. I'm a ninth grade dropout. Um, I quit ninth grade. Um, I've read over 6,000 books. I got 15 books going as we speak right now, plus one on Audible. So for me, I'm self-educated. But that's why I, I, I drank, because I I had to become another person, because I didn't like the person that I was. And and that and so, so that, that guy, Rick, he was no longer that hurt child anymore. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, so he kind of got pushed to the, to the wayside as, you know, Richard was a little child, and he didn't come out until... Uh, 2012 Memorial Day when, when I attempted suicide. He didn't come out until 2012. So now I go by Richard, but my wife's dated me when I was that age. So she knows me as Rick, but I'm just, I'm not that Rick guy anymore. Right. I'm Richard. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. that, the long answer. I mean, it's a long answer, but that is, that's my answer. No, that's not a long answer. That's the answer that you needed to give. So I'm, I'm happy to, uh, that you gave it. Um, so had, since that time, have you found, have you done like any sort of like therapy or anything like that to sort of help with anything or? I've been through so many therapists. Um, now, I did have a suicide attempt uh, on Memorial Day 2012, if you don't mind me hitting on that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, when I, as you guys like said earlier, I got thrown out of the military. I got back in the military, was almost about to be thrown out again. So I was given a second chance and I did everything I could to become the ultimate soldier. I reclassified three times because they wanted to send me to school. I was the guy that held the PP jar. I did everything they asked me to do to become the ultimate soldier. And then I moved to New Jersey because um, I met my, my wife. We reconnected on Facebook and we got we got back together again and got married after 30 years. So I moved to, moved back to New Jersey. My first drill in New Jersey, we're going down the highway, and um, I was a vehicle commander. And young private E2, kid that was always in trouble, reminded me of him, you know, reminded him of me. And um, so our vehicle broke down, so I had to pull it off the road. And um, I'm, ba- I'm in the back of the Humvee. Now, I'm a big believer in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. Um I never, you know, when you're in a Humvee, you're always wearing your soft cap, right? Right. Nobody wears their Kevlar. But for <laughs> some reason, I had my Kevlar on that day. And as I'm backing this young private up, instead of him hitting the brakes, he hit the gas. Uh, uh, yeah. The right side of my body and ran over my head. And, and that's how I, that's how I lost my vision. But now, and I told you a story about, you know, being in med hold and all that. But I know I'm going to get, get ready to be discharged. But you never expect a day when a day comes. And it was Memorial Day 2012. They called me in the office and they said, uh, Sergeant Kaufman, you are no longer Sergeant Kaufman. Your career's over. So I get in my truck and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wait, what, what, what's, what just gone? What just happened? 
here I am. I got my uniform on. I got my E5 and I got my frigging stripes up my ass. And they say, you're no longer Sergeant Coffin. And I, and I, excuse my French, man, it's not French, but I sat there and thought, well, if I'm not Sergeant Kaufman, who the fuck am I? Who mm -hmm. am I? I became Sergeant Kaufman. That was something that I created. And every mm -hmm. time we ever got pulled over, we always used our driver's license. I mean, our, our military ID. We never used our, our driver's license. That became my identity. Well, what if I'm no longer Sergeant Kaufman? So at that, at that moment, I decided, you know what? I failed the military. If if I can't do that, I'm not going to be a great husband. I'm not going to be a great father to my newborn, new month, nine month old baby. Um, I decided, all right, um, I'm going to end my life. I can't take it anymore. Um, I don't know who I am. Who's Richard? I don't know who Richard is. I'm scared. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm an adult and I, and I'm scared and crying really for the first time because I don't know who I am. So I mm -hmm. called my wife up and I said, because uh, I was going to meet her down the shore. And uh, when I talked to her, I knew I was never going to hear her voice again. And I knew I was never going to be talk to that woman again, my best friend. So I got in the car and my, my goal was I was going to, you know, get the truck, got a brand new truck, you know, get the Dodge up to 150, 100 miles an hour, put on cruise control, turn on a radio. And then when the car is going to go off and, and into an embankment somewhere. So I do that. I call my wife. I said, I'm on my way. And I knew I was never talking to her again. Never, never going to see my nine month old baby again. And um, I get in the car, put on cruise control, listen, turn on the radio. And um, I hit, put my head back and I can hear, I can feel the cards moving, moving over, moving over, moving over, moving over. And then uh, a song by George Strait came on. I saw God today. And it was a story about a guy looking at his baby through the glass window and i said i can't i can't leave my baby and at that moment is when i decided i, I want to be a daddy i want to be a husband so i pulled off the side of the road and i called my wife and said i'll be there in a minute but when i got there i said listen honey i said i need help i'm struggling and if i don't get help i'm gonna probably eat my gun come up this week and she said don't worry babe i got you and i met my therapist on that Thursday, I mean, that Tuesday. Now, this is funny because uh, I, I think God has a sense of humor. So I go to the therapist. Everything goes great. I'm on my way home. Call my wife. She's like, how did therapist go? I'm like, it went good, except for one thing. And I'm, she's like, what? I'm like, her name is Dr. Seuss. <laughs> but it's spelled S-O-O-S. -O -O right. <laughs> only you would have a therapist named Dr. Seuss. <laughs> but I've been seeing the same therapist now, like, uh, what, 11 years? Mm -hmm. And I believe in therapy 100%. I believe in bearing my soul. But there are things that I will tell you because you raised your right hand that I won't tell her. Right. I don't trust her. But if you raised your hand, you raised your right hand, no matter what branch, where we serve, where we, you know, I will tell I will talk to you and I will open up my heart because I know we both raised our right hand. Right. Yeah. So like I said, and I and I think that's something that's more needed nowadays than ever. Cause like, you know, for me, I'm not a professional. Um, but I have had over six hundred interviews and I find out that when an adult acts out, it's usually because of trauma that right. happened between the ages of three and thirteen. Then you add alcohol to the mix sometimes, a lot of the times. Then you add war to the mix, and it becomes a perfect storm. Right. And nobody can tell you how to get out of the perfect storm unless somebody's been there. Mm -hmm. that's, that's where that's people true. like that's where people like me, people like you, we can reach down, pull somebody up, and be like, I've been there. Right. I got you. Yeah. So that's that's my long answer. <laughs> no, that's uh um I always joke with my wife that. I don't cry that I weep. Um, yeah, that's sort of my my joke, you know, because in the Bible, Jesus wept. And so I'm like, I don't cry, I weep. And um, you made me weep, man. You made me weep, but that's okay. You know, and, and that's one of my favorite scriptures of all time is he wept. It's the easiest one for me to remember. And John 316. It just shows how real he was. Yeah. He wasn't a hard, hardcore, you know, he he's, he's the same guy that, would hold the children 
and hold the sheep. Mm-hmm. But he's the same guy that went in the tabernacle, was flipping, flipping rock table. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. He would, yeah. He, he was meek, but he wasn't weak. Right. And that ties in kind of with what I wanted to say about therapy is, you know, there's sort of this stigma that if as a man, if you go to therapy, that it means you're weak. I see that to be completely wrong. I think as a man, you need to have some time where you can express yourself and express your feelings and get help. We all need some sort of help somewhere. And a good therapist will can do that for you. You're, you're not going to get lucky and get it the therapist you need the first time you may have to go to a couple of therapists but a good therapist can can really help you with you know with things that are going on my my therapist has been fantastic and half the time i go in there in the first 20 minutes we just shoot the crap <laughs> we don't even i think that's his plan to get me loosened up <laughs> well i had, i had, i interviewed a friend of mine he's a sergeant major retired now and when he would go for therapy when he was still in he would wear his full uniform and and the receptionist once asked him, you know, everybody else comes in civilian clothes. Why do you come in fully dressed up? He said, because I want those b- young bucks in the waiting room knowing that it's OK. Even for a sergeant major, I need help and it's OK for them to get help. To get help. You know? Yeah. Now, that's quality sergeant major right there, because, yeah, that's that is definitely something that's needed because, um, you know, you're not. You're not the only veteran that, you know, has attempted. I mean, obviously, they're t- what is it, 22 a, a day? Nope. The number just came out. Um, it's upwards of now 44 to 50. Because out that only 50% of the states actually report suicide. That makes sense. And and then they don't, they don't count, you know, people that drunk and driving. They don't count people that a lot of overdoses they don't count that stuff so the number is much much higher especially when you because the thing is now i'm also in my town i'm in charge of it when we use when we were kids they were called it the dare program i remember it's, dare quite well but now i you know now that's what i do i'm the dare officer for the town and five thousand in the united states now listen to this five thousands adolescents every day attempt suicide in the united states five thousand mm-hmm. so that's 10,000 parents. Yeah. So, so just think about it a day. So, yeah. you know, just those numbers that are out there that are not being reported because this stuff is not sexy. This is not, no. you know, this is, this is not stuff that people want to hear. They want to hear, Oh, I love, I support veterans. I, I support mental health, but then you, they don't want to talk about trauma. They don't want to talk about dealing with the trauma. They want to put, and I was, I, I had last Thursday, Friday, I was speaking to veterans, a, a group of veterans that are locked up for 30 days because they decided they need help with the substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And they, they say, all the VA wants to do is throw me, throw medicine down my neck. They're right. not dealing with the trauma. Well, if you don't, if you do, if you're not dealing with the trauma, then you're, you're going to have mental health issues. And now you're going to have a drug issue because of stuff they're throwing down your neck. So now you're, now you got a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. People, we need to start talking about the hard stuff. Oh yeah, no, I agree, and um, not just with uh, with veterans, like you said, kids and teenagers. Uh, my youngest daughter, went, her junior year, one of her friends over the summer uh, committed suicide, and then we have a family friend whose stepdaughter just committed suicide about three weeks ago. And you know what it is? A lot of it, like I said, I, I actually did a big piece about this in a magazine, my local magazine. You know, everything is done through filter. You know, everybody is, oh, look at me. I'm on Instagram and I have all the filters and it makes me look beautiful. I don't want to see freckles. That's not reality. And we tr- and the children try to emulate people that are, are using filters also. So th- they're trying to be something that's not real. And a, right. lot, and a lot of kids, like I got a, I got a eight, I got a 20 year old boy, 18 year old boy, and I got an 11 year old girl. And a lot of kids, they're more worried about how many likes they're getting on Facebook and Instagram. You know, because the father's not home telling your daughter, you're beautiful, you're loved, you're cared about, or tell my boys, like my boys are 20 and 18. I still kiss them every day before they leave. They still get a hug and a kiss before they leave every day. I don't care how old they're going to get. You know, we need that. We need, we need people to get kids to get validation at home instead of getting validation on their phone. Right. I agree with you 100%. And I also think that men and fathers in particular 
you need we need to get over this um i don't know what you just like this sort of weird notion of manliness to me my daughters they would go dad can i paint your toenails yeah sure what does it matter little girls being able to paint nails is important right you know five six seven eight years old that's important for them i can put socks on there's nail polish remover who cares I'd sit and watch a football game and my daughters would paint my toenails and then they'd take it off. And you know what? They're both adults now and they thank me for that. <laughs> you know, because to me, I don't think there's anything more like manly than to try to be a good father and make sure that your kids, are there going to things happen? Yeah, of course. But I wanted to make sure that my kids were happy, even if it was just in a small way. And it made my daughter happy to do that. So I let you know, her. Like, and for me, like my daughter's 11 my first her first nine years i was working as an entrepreneur so i I would only see her for an hour in the morning i wouldn't be able to tuck her in bed right now so now every chance i get i tuck my daughter in bed like the other day last night i got in bed with her and i said honey just just hold daddy put your put your head on daddy's chest like you did when you were a little baby and And hope you're gonna remember that you know hopefully one day you can remember man you know dad really loved me you know, he took time, even if it was just to do some stupid voices or something, but put me to bed at night. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, I I know completely. And don't stop. <laughs> you know, don't stop. And anyone listening, do that as well. Because as I learned last year, I mean, thankfully, it didn't turn out this way. But two seconds, something happened slightly different. I don't have my youngest daughter with me. You know, that's all it takes is two seconds and your life is shattered. And in our case, it was one second but our entire you know family's life has changed it has affected all of us in ways we didn't know was going to happen because of her accident so you keep tucking her in you know until she tells you to stop <laughs> and you, but you know, something my my wife said to me and it, it really hit home she says there's always going to be one last time for everything yeah so eventually she's going to be you know i don't know when but she's going to be like dad you know you're a little bit old for this you know so (laughs) every moment because like she said my my wife said you know for everything there's one last time you're going to see somebody one last time and you know i want to make sure that those moments i want to make sure that i'm present and i'd rather and i always talk about this a lot on my shows i'd rather give my family my presence than presents that that is an excellent philosophy you know that's what they're going to remember and like something that I lived through a Gary V philosophy with something that he gave me that day for, during lunch. He said, Rich, your legacy will always be more valuable than your currency. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. Everything I do is for legacy. Everything I do is, you know, so that's why I live by that creed that, you know, my legacy is more valuable than my currency. Yeah, so. that's definitely true. I I live under the philosophy that what your kids want more than anything is your time. and um, my oldest is, wait, did she just turn 32? We're going to go with 32. <laughs> my son's 26 and my youngest is 22. And not once, not once have they ever told me, you know, dad, when we were rushing around to go to events, jam-packed eating Happy Meals in the back of the car to get to the next event, that was so much fun. That's never the stuff that they have fond memories of. You know what I mean? It was us hanging out you know, just doing whatever we were doing at the time and just spending time together. That's the stuff that they always look back on and tell me that that they have the memories of. Mm-hmm. Not rushing to get to the next thing. And that's the whole reason why Facebook will never go out of business because everybody has their memories on Facebook. That is true. There there are plenty of times where I'm like, oh gosh, I'm so tired of Facebook. But I it's like, well, I can't get rid of it. So many people that I that I really only am able to keep track of is because of Facebook. So just think about a lot of people to say, I hate Facebook. And then be like, something, one of my, my wife's, uh, her phone went down and she couldn't find her pictures. I'm like, just go on your memories and, and take your pictures from there. She's like, man, if I would have got rid of Facebook, I, that's 11 years of pictures that we get rid of. So there's, you know, Zuckerberg ain't no stupid man. No, he's definitely not. Um, I still wish that MySpace would have won out, though, because I've always preferred MySpace. I liked the customization of my page. <laughs> and having my friend's jockey to be in my top five. There you go. I don't remember. I, I, I wasn't 
post. I wasn't part of MySpace. So I don't know. <laughs> well, you'll just take my word for it. <laughs> Can I go back to when you had your uh, your accident? You said you were wearing your Kevlar that day. Did you have um, what exactly? What injuries did you exactly have? Um, it, it broken was, skull, uh, that type it, stuff. Yeah, a traumatic brain injury, and they um, they called it an ocular stroke. Okay. So instead of my brain having the stroke, it went to my eye, and that's where I had the stroke was in my eye. Okay. And so, did it crack the Kevlar? Back then, I was on some stuff that I'm not supposed to talk about, but I was on I was bodybuilding back then and taking supplements. So I was jacked. So when I got ran over, I actually got up, shook it off, got back in the vehicle, and then like on the way down to Fort Dix is when I started losing that ice eyesight. So and within two hours, I was totally blind. Oh my gosh. And, but did the Kevlar hold? Did it crack? Did it break? I mean, it stayed good. It held over everything. So thank God, like I said, it act, and I think we were in a little bit of dirt too. So that kind of absorbed it. A, Helped a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. So that is, I mean, that I is have, wild. I still have a TBI. So not only do I have ADD, I got a TBI. So a lot of times it's, it's hard for me. Like I'll say, I'll try to remember the word ball. And I'll be like, honey, you know, that, that round thing, they, they play. She's like, ball? I'm like, yeah. Because like, a lot of times, like, I can't remember something. Or if I if I want to learn something, I got to read it like three times compared to other people. But now talking about ADD and ADHD, as a business owner, ADD is my superpower. Right. So I actually switched. The, I actually flipped the script and started using it as my superpower instead of my disability i call it my disability <laughs> that's a good attitude to have i feel like it's with my adhd it's kind of a great thing i know so much crap about odd random crap and it's all because i get these hyper focus add rabbit holes yep. <laughs> that i go on and i agree that it I don't think that it's necessarily a problem. I think it is sort of a superpower. The problem is the world isn't necessarily designed for those of us that have ADHD. And I had a, I saw a thing where some guy was talking about, he said, you know what? Maybe the ADHD is the actual default setting because before civilization, when we were still hunter-gatherers, the ability to pay attention to every weird thing that's going on around you probably kept you alive. Yeah, and you know, like I've had my friend Robert Garcia on. He was he's um I think he's got eleven time best selling author. And um he talks about there's different modalities to learning. And yeah. if, you know, and like I was talking to my wife, we were driving home the other night, and I'm like, you know, they don't every kid they want to go to college to be IT, cybersecurity, but nobody going to school back to be a electrician, plumber, mechanic. If I try to get a mechanic on a Saturday, I mean, an electrician or a plumber, I'm looking at like 300 bucks an hour. Yeah. And I think a lot of those kids that are going to the trades, they have different modalities of learning. And I think if you you have to make sure you know what modality works for your kids, because not every modality works for kids, for your kid. Oh, yeah. It's like the old uh, the old comic where they have like an elephant, a monkey, a turtle. And, you know, and a dog. And like, if you try to teach the elephant, the turtle and the dog, the way you treat them, teach a monkey something, the other three are going to look stupid. Yeah. Like, I mean, like if you would have gave me a field manual and and it showed me how to field strip an M16, I'm fucked. But if you do it in front of me and you let me do it a few times in my hands and let me touch it, hold it, smell it, I'm good. And that was my modality for learning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. And. No, I agree. People need to be a little more flexible in how we teach uh, other people. I think that'd make the world slightly better, in my opinion, and not give people some trauma who feel stupid because they can't do it in the traditional sort of. And like I got, you know, I got three kids. My one son's going to school to be a marine biologist. My other son's starting college. He wants to be an athletic trainer. And my 11 year old has a gift of art. I mean, she's an amazing artist. She loves to build things. So I'm going to do what Gary Vaynerchuk taught me. Tell them, and I'm not going to use the words that I'm going to use here, but, you know, know, fuck what you're not good at. Triple down on what you are good at. And I think a lot of people that that are not successful in life is because they're they're doing the exact opposite. 
they're more right. worried about what they're not doing that not doing right instead of tripling down on what they are doing right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it's another excellent point. I have to say, you've uh, you've had quite a few excellent points uh, on this show. Probably, um, maybe a record setting of excellent points on the show. And if I had an award, I would give it to you, but no, I don't. No. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Deserve no awards. And I tell everybody I'm just a junkie who got lucky. Yeah. But that is where the inspiration comes from because so many times when you're in that state as a junkie, you do quit, you do end up ODing and you, you've turned it around and now you help people help themselves. And that's uh, impressive. Well, I'm working on worthy. a new book going to be called too dumb to quit. That's the, that's the next book that's coming out. It's going to, and it's going to be from all the people that I've interviewed that have gone through the shit that I've gone through. Like a lot of people, they know they heard of John Lee Dumas. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that he was a tank commander in Iraq that lost a tank and that how he was suicidal when he, he had to take responsibility because they were his guys and yet right. he had to and go through mental health issues. So that's why I like to get people like that on my show. I don't care about the millions of subscribers. I want to hear how you got through the shit and made it out the other side. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree completely. That's one of the things I've enjoyed about all the people I've had on this year is they just kept going. Even when things were hard and it was crazy, you, they just kept putting one foot in front of the other and, you know, to use a military term, maybe it was a half step and not a full step, but they still took that half step. And that's where the inspiration comes from is even when it seemed impossible to move, you still moved, <laughs> it, you know, kept going forward. And for me, I just try to, you know, let everybody know, like I said, I'm, I'm, all, I'm only a ninth grade dropout, but I have a successful clothing company. I got a brand new coffee company. My book hit number one twice on Amazon. So if I can do it, I'm a low tech redneck. If I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> Once again, inspiring, <laughs> but I think that you have put in a ton of hard work uh, well, now it's to get fun. to where you are. But now my mission is to, like we said earlier, if only one person listened to this and got inspiration and said, you know what, if he can make it, I can make it. Yep. So my goal is, to, is just to help that one person. And when I, I, when I go speak, I've spoken to hundreds, I've spoken to thousands, but the first time I go on stage, I tell, listen, I'm not here to talk to everybody. I'm here to talk to that one person, the one person that's struggling, the one person that had the thought, maybe maybe my life would be better if, if I ended it. So if that one person's listening today, this whole thing was just for you. Yeah. And the world is better with you in it. <laughs> you and yeah. whoever's that one person is. And I tell and everybody, you, know, you can reach out to me and we'll talk about that. You can find me on all social media. You get get in touch with me anytime because I'd rather listen to your bullshit than your eulogy. I yes, <laughs> that I'm I'm stealing that. Um, just so you know, um, I, I won't try to steal the copyright or anything. You can have that, but I am going to steal <laughs> steal that I'm phrase. The guy, well, I don't even know what a copyright is. So <laughs> um, believe it or not, we are right at about an hour. Um, wow, which I'm sure you do believe it because I'm know that you've interviewed a lot of people and you know that time goes by fast. Um, so a couple of things. One, um, any sort of final thoughts or anything like that that you would like to share with uh, my audience? And then two, after you've done that, if you would like to um, plug any of your, uh, to steal a phrase from uh, Behind the Bastard, if you have any pluggables that you would like to plug, plug away. Okay, first of all, um, I'm wearing a hat not because I'm bald or going bald. I wear it because I promised Chris Kyle's wife that I would wear a hat on every episode that I do um, just to give honor to him, to let people know that there are some people that are willing to die to help you. So that's why I wear the hat in honor of Chris. And I talk about it on every podcast. I've actually had a top five podcast in the world ask me to come on, but not wear the hat. And I had to turn him down. Oh, wow. Yeah. But now the T-shirt, I wear this T-shirt. I got like six of them. So, guys, I do I do wash my shirt. But it says, today I decide. Um, I'm a big Joel Osteen guy. And he always talks about, it's your choice to be the victim or the victor. So anytime I go on the podcast, I say, let's tell the audience, guys, 
Please make the right choice today. Choose to be the victor and stop being the victim. So that's why I wear the shirt today I decide because I believe those are the three most important words in the English language. Because once you decide to do something, it's halfway done already. Right. So other than that, um, if you guys love coffee, I just came out with a brand new coffee called Vertical Momentum Coffee. Uh, It's actually hand roasted by veterans hands and uh, twice the energy, no crash. And the best part about it, 100% of the proceeds go to help veterans struggling with homelessness and PTSD. It all, all the money goes to a, a place called Project Die Hard. All the money goes to it. I don't make any money off my T-shirts, my hat, my books. Everything goes to help veterans struggling with PTSD. So I'm always trying to pay it forward. So if they love coffee, they can check out Vertical Momentum. If they want the book, they can check it. Just Vertical Momentum, everything. And you can find all all out about me. Is the Project Die Hard with the website for that be like projectdiehard.com.org? It's a dot org. Okay. Dot org. And also his name is Brian Gibson. Now, if you don't mind, if you, if you got one more minute. just No, go for it. Project Die Hard, what they're doing, and it's projectdiehard.org. So it is a 5013C. And he provides where every penny is spent on social media. So everybody knows where every penny went. Um, what they do is they're building, um, we're building a place where a vet, one vet, 12, vet, one, 12 single veterans and four veterans with their family can come and stay for an entire year, get their mental health, physical health, anything they needed for a whole year. Even if they bring eight people for their family, mm-hmm. for one whole year, they're going to be taken care of and the veteran is going to get charged zero dollars that that's incredible and that's that's why all that's that's where all yeah. my money that's where everything i make i don't make any penny any i don't make a penny off it it all goes to help project die hard and the guy brian he actually is uh he actually had the gun in his mouth and the gun mal- malfunctioned and he decided all right well it's not my time god has a bigger plan for me that's when he started project die hard that's i will I will highlight that on my other podcast, Kinetic and Jack Save the World. Um, we do a weekly highlight of a charity that we deem worthy. And I, I frequently do veteran charities, but I'm definitely going to add this one to uh, the charity that we highlight. We have it go out on our social they're, medias. They're, 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 they're really good people. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely sounds like it. And that's just an amazing way for the whole family to have healing because... Obviously, if the veteran is going through a mental health crisis, it's going to affect the rest of the family. And to not just treat the veteran, but the whole family is is incredible. And it's amazing. And yeah. that sounds like a great charity. Forward, forward operation base rush. She was a young lady, a young veteran that took her own life. So that's why we, we named our folks, our folks, FOB, F-O-B Rush, named after her. So in her honor. Well, no. You know what what i'm doing because a lot of people say well you know you got your own t-shirt company got your own hat you got your own book you must be doing good and i'm like no all the money goes to them all the money goes right. to help somebody, you know yeah because like my legacy is more important, important than, my than currency. your currency yeah yeah yeah. You know? yeah no um man i i regret that we can't keep going on because i could talk and i'm sure you could probably go for another couple hours yeah but just think <laughs> you're on my show that is true. I am in about a month's time. Yeah. Um, now, this episode is going to air in May because I have my ADHD series that's airing. So it will be in May. So I don't know if mine will actually air before <laughs> on your episode, on your show before yours airs on mine. I don't know what your recording uh, you know, frame is. Well, what, what I stuff. can do is, I mean, we can actually release both episodes on the same day. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. And just have a big blast. <laughs> Blast it out everywhere. Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, to being on. I appreciate you coming on. If you ever want, you know, want to come back on and chat for another hour about things, I'm always always welcome to have you back on. Um, if there's one thing about my podcast is I have had lots of people on more than once, and you know, and once and I do apologize for the time mix up. That was uh, my my. Yeah, no, that's not a big deal. It it happens, <laughs> especially, you know, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. 
So um, once again, I appreciate you coming on, taking time out of Tuesday night. I didn't work yesterday, so it felt Monday-ish for me. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on. I'm going to end the show as I always do. Just remember, everybody, try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.